Welcome to Ghosts and Grit. Hey, what's going on? So this podcast, I'm joined by Taron Butler. He's a longtime friend. I've been shooting up at his place for, oof, got to be nearly 15 years now. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to firearms, firearm training, and he's also an encyclopedia of movies. Who knew? Enjoy the episode. Please make sure you like and subscribe and follow. Taron Butler, how are you, sir? Good, how are you, Jack? I'm doing very well. Here, just pull that mic a little closer. All there, right. There we go. Um, all right. Taron, how long have we known each other? I, I was... think we met like in 2007 or something. Yeah, long old time. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty uh, long. Fuck, dude. Like these Facebook pictures come up of like a million years yeah, ago. You're out there and like with Nikki Gray and like you cuckoo stuff and yeah, you shooting and Glocks and junk. Yeah, getting yeah. uh, yeah, back when I was not such a good shot. You're actually pretty freaking good. Well, I wasn't good back then. You got me good. Yeah, but you got good fast. Yeah, I didn't struggle and like be like, oh God, please go away. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Fly, I've never flagged anyone though, which is good. No, no, <laughs> no. You're naturally crazy good. Uh, well, so people are you. don't know, which is weird. Like I keep it on the DL. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny when when anyone asks me, they're like, what what's something you're good at? I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm kind of good at shooting. Yeah, but I you know I don't like to brag about it. So no. are you though, you're good at shooting. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> How uh. I never. I don't think I've ever asked you. Like, how did you get into competitive shooting? Um, it's weird. It's kind of movies did it. Um, back in the I'm really old. So back in the seventies, a little kid, and uh, everybody was going to see Star Star Wars and all the fun stuff. We saw it too, but we, we I saw Dirty Harry, hmm. and then I saw Magnum Force, which is part two. And they have a whole competition scene there where Dirty Harry has a competition against the these renegade cops that are all like vigilantes, David Soul Hutch from Starsky and Hutch and, and uh, all those guys, uh, Dan Tana, which is, you know, and um, there's a comp- combat sh- shootout, like a Hogan's Alley and all that. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, and what's ironically weird and funny is those, the grips back then, the way they were holding the gun is actually really modern. First movie to ever have a modern grip by David Soul in any movie in history back in 1974. So that was kind of cool. Usually movies after that were just cup and saucer yeah. and Dorco stuff. And Why and, was that? I don't know. David Soul just held the gun. It wasn't perfect, but it was way better than stuff you saw way later. Mm. You know, so we, I saw that and um, we, you know, my we had, uh, my brother bought guns. I bought a Colt Python and, and didn't really get into competition until my brother was following it and he almost got into it. But then finally... I got into it uh, way later, like in the in the early '90s, and mm. uh, my first attempt was a box office fiasco. Um, some guy <laughs> just decided to sell his. Are we junk- talking cats box office fiasco? <laughs> yeah, or yeah. <laughs> it was it was like it was like After Earth. You know? Okay. Was, and basically, somebody wanted to use my range to practice and sold me their junky guns and and screwed me over. So then, eventually, I got into it for real. I jumped in there with a Glock 21. Came in seventh out of 118 guys. That's like you know having a, a go kart, almost winning an IndyCar race mm-hmm. with a stupid fat Glock 21 against STI 2011s or whatever. And I knew from there I could be good at this. If I can come in seventh out of with that stupid gun in a 45, it was got 40s and nine millimeters. Then I got a Glock 24. Then I got a Grandmaster card in a year and just sort of wiping everybody out for the next 25, 30 years. And and that led to other fun things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got a, you have a, you have a very unique setup, you know. It's especially for the vicinity to Los Angeles. Yeah. You know, do you think having the the ability to have a home range is is really kind of what helped? Tr- yeah, you know, it, it helped training? massively. It was. It's like it's like Arnold has to go to like the local gym. You know, get out of the way. We use the, the biceps over the. Uh, you know, if he had his own personal gym. You know, like you probably did. I'm sure that's why you got shredded. So having the range, having the natural talent for it, and the massive desire—like all I did was train and practice, and watch videos and learn and shoot with the best shooters, the super squad, watch who's beating me at the time, start catching them, beating them, retiring them, and just doing that over and over again. And then, then I got not bored with pistol shooting, but I, I wanted to go next level. I wanted to do. I want to be the best with a rifle. Like a rifle is better than a pistol in a shootout. You know, an mm-hmm. AR smokes a pistol. I want to be best with a shotgun too. So somebody threw me into a three-gun match. At first I was like, oh my God, this is just going to be a nightmare. But ended up winning my first ever three-gun match. And then like now if I get my stuff together, I don't know if I say bad words in the show or not. No, but, you, um, can. you can. You can if swear I get, get myself together, I will just destroy, which I did and sort of winning all the three-gun nationals and everything out there. And and it was great, but I always love movies. You know, yeah. I love movies a lot and 
action movies, any any kind of good movie, Gone with the Wind, whatever. And then it kind of led to that. So for people that don't understand the world of co- competitive shooting, where like where do you rank? I mean, I know where you are, but for you know people listening, like where where do you rank and in what disciplines? Well, I'm a seven-time grandmaster. Um, I'm about to become an eight-time grandmaster. The new division just opened up. I just shot it last weekend and won the division. For, it just started in May. Um, I don't know if they have a ranking system. Our, our organization is not run by very very good people. <laughs> They're pretty stupid, honestly. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've won every kind of nationals and things I've entered. I've lost a lot of matches, but I've won a lot more. And for like 25 to 30 years, I've won a lot. And at Southwest Pistol League, I think I've got like 45 championship back-to-back titles on two or three different cups or four different cups. One I've still been d- defending since 97. So no one's beaten me since 97 on that cup. Are so you serious? It's a perpetual cup. You know? so, <laughs> and I started in like 94. You're, so. like, a, you're like a dictator of the yeah. cup. <laughs> but there's some great shooters now, and it's, it's, it's a different world now. And you can't do that forever. I still shoot. I don't just travel nonstop all the time because like I'm overwhelmed with the company, uh, constantly training uh, some amazing people for films. I love that I'm making a difference in Hollywood with the the the, the, the action and mm-hmm. the training. And I even help write lines for the film to make sure the gun stuff is written properly and things like that. I've even been asked to help choreograph a little bit of action here and there. So it's really fun to be part of that. And it's just fun. Like you're sitting on the range, you're standing there like Okay, I'm training Michael Bay today. You know, I grew up watching his films. I love The Rock. I love Transformers and all that stuff. Then today and tomorrow, I'm on the range with Austin Butler. The next day, I'm on the range with. It's just it's it's fun. It's surreal, but it's also cool because they respect what I do because no one's doing it at this level. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag, but what I do in Three Gun is being the best in the world with weapons at taking out bad guys from point blank range to 750 yards mm. as fast as you possibly can. So it's not some Olympic bullseye thing with a pellet gun going boop. It's it's relating to like it's basically it's Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. You're 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 the ultimate video game person in real life taking out bad guy characters, zombies, monsters, good guys, whatever, ghosts, all the goons, you know, <laughs> aliens, whatever. So that's what I did for many years with the with the best weapons in the world. Then I started designing the best guns in the world. As you know, you have have some and people started liking what I do. And I helped start the companies as you were there in the very beginning of it. Yeah. And um, I was kind of – I was very lucky that these companies saw what I was doing and and I was able to, uh, you know, start working with them. But even though they did a lot to try to, you know, like they didn't deliver. Like they didn't pay me anything. Yeah. Took all my ideas. And one day I'm like, you know what? I'm glad they, they, they saw that there was something good here because I was just going to shoot matches forever and just retire at 50-something as a shooter and call it a day and have no money. And there's not a big a lot of money in shooting. There's there's some money, but it's mostly in the training. But I was able to, to go, okay, these guys are doing these companies really bad. Like, they're, they're, I'm going to do a George Costanza, and I'm going to get a tuna on toast and whole wheat rye, whatever, and flip the script and do everything opposite of what they're doing and I'll be successful, and I did. Yeah. And instead of guys that are running a company that don't know how to shoot, don't know guns, they just think it's cool, they can hang out with a bunch of operators and get chicks and splits get chicks. Splits is double taps, right? Uh, <laughs> how fast shoot a gun. And and I'm like, I can't. Like, this has been a disaster, these guys. Even though they're, they're doing well, I, I can't be part of something like that. So I, these two companies, I helped start them. One of them went out of business. The other one is still chugging along with the owner, let somebody else buy his company from him. So whatever. So, but they produce products that are just like, it's like, it's like a, a Burger King burger, right? The guns I produce are total Mastro's ultimate ragingest guns in the world. Yep. And I, can, guns, I can contest to that. Yeah. And like the, like the Pit Viper, I wanted that gun to be a national title holder before the movie even came out. So when John Wick 4 came out, the gun already has two national titles under its belt. Wow. So it's not just a cool gun that stabs people and does wild shit and shreds a bunch of freaks. It, <laughs> it has a national t- – it's the best gun in the world for winning the two-gun nationals back-to-back. So that's the kind of stuff I like to produce, the best shotguns. Then we wanted to go next level with the shotgun for the movie. So we designed the Drakaris shotgun, which the John Wick franchise has a lineage to Game of Thrones. Really? Yeah. Like five- How- well, they have Greyjoy kills his dog in the first movie. That's true, yep. Uh, they have uh, the guy from Game of Thrones, the sidekick guy. He's in part two. Halle Berry shoots him in the leg okay. with my Glock. Yeah. Starts, ah! 
ah, guy like, I'm going to shoot your dog. I'll take your dog. You owe me. It ain't nothing for free. That jerk, you know? Uh-huh. Then in the last John Wick, there's uh, the guy he shoots in the beginning with Michael Hawk. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the high table you know guy from uh, Jordan. So he uh, he shoots that guy in the beginning of John Wick Four up in the desert. So uh, with my custom Glock 34. So. Yep. Oh, was that actual your your yeah. Glock? I'm standing there like ten feet from the scene, watching the scene happen. So uh, so he shoots that guy, which that guy was replaced from the first guy was. Yeah, you know, the guy that played that part in part three didn't want to do the part, or they changed him out for a different high table yeah. guy from you know you know whatever Jordan. But um, he shoots him with that gun. And there's also the girl that's John Wick's sister in law that brains his arm in part four. Mm-hmm. She's also in Game of Thrones. So the shotgun is a Dracaris. It's firing flames and blowing everybody apart. And uh, the ammo is Dragon's Breath. Okay. And the gun is called the Dracaris Twelve. So. And is that one of your? Is that your design? Yeah, what it was is a long time ago, a company uh, that was sponsoring me called uh, BCM. You know BCM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make fantastic rifles for the military and everybody. They uh, they go, hey, do you want to help with this gun that's coming out? This is way back on John Wick 3. And so we didn't get it ready in time for John Wick. You can't, a MacFed shotgun is like, is like the holy grail. It has never worked. You can't get them to work. Nobody gets, I've, I won the nationals with MacFed shotguns. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. I lost two nationals with guns jamming. And my stupid uh, AK model that uh, uh, what is it the um, the Sega Sega yeah I won but that was a twenty second jams I was just so damn fast I won anyway but it was twice so I gave up on them but this company finally came out with one it took like five years to design it are these the guys from Idaho yeah 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 I've met, actually I met those guys oh they're awesome yeah Cody and everybody yeah 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 so long story short the gun wasn't ready way back then it would have been a, another jamming magfed shit show safari so we waited and and all that time to come out with it and every detail everything we can work out together and uh, and make that gun the ultimate like we have now run that thing with joe rogan everybody you can imagine coming out non-stop i never clean it way too lazy to clean it it never jams it's insane like it's, is it just you guys got the kind of the you just got it dialed right to where it doesn't jam, or yeah, is it piston, yeah. the or what? Ramps, the design of it, uh, all the detail back and forth. We're coming out with a bigger one for three gun model. This is the short one, and John Wick's not three gun. It's just just yeah, destroy every bad guy. <laughs> so, uh, so it's it's a it's a great gun. So, nice. Yeah. So I mean, given the climate of the world that we're in, right, and everyone's kind of oh, gun, you know, everyone gets like nuts about guns. Do you do you ever worry? That like, oh, wait, this, you know, things could really get restrictive. I mean, it's already restrictive in California. It's massively strict, restrictive. Um, we will start, probably start another place out of state eventually. Yeah. But um, we have our, you know, I bought a beautiful facility during COVID. It was a great deal on the building. Uh, I can't just leave it. It's right, but I like the convenience. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know you got another place. Oh, yeah. It's big. It's really cool. Nice. Yeah, it's not the, the garage range shit show safari anymore. So it's, <laughs> it's nice, you know. That's cool. that's kind of a – not abandoned, but that's like my place to get ready for matches now. Yeah, that's that's home, that's home uh, base. And it's still where, where I train everybody, you know, and do all that stuff. But, no, we have – I have 50 – like 54 employees in a wow. a big building. and uh, I bought three buildings all side by side. So. Very cool. Yeah. Is it out near where, near where your right, place is? It's right there. If you get off at Madeira to go see me, mm-hmm. it's right there next to 511 and Costco. Cool. I know, yeah. And, and all that stuff. Very so, cool. Yeah. How, uh, how, how often are you training – air quote celebs for movies versus actual training for yourself for i haven't trained myself personally probably in like seven years really i have this i just cannot get the time so just, you you <sighs> roll up to matches straight cold like whatever i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and i and i, and I can lose i mean i'm it's, it's a different world there's guys half my age they're training their asses off you know and it's and it's it's hard to beat them. Do you know how hard. many people that probably pisses off Taryn that that you just fucking roll out of bed and just keep winning, you know, world titles? Well, I keep saying I'm gonna put the time in. I mean, uh, Tatiana and I will get back to it. I, I want to get her. She's been beating men too. Cool. Uh, my fiance, she's wonderful. She helps me train everybody. Helps me keep my schedules together. Because even today, she's like this morning, like you gotta go jack that. I thought it was next month. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so she gets everything together for me. Um, but um, I'm training mo- way more people than I'm training anything else. But, mm. I mean, I will take more time, but it's not – I've kind of done all that. I've won all that. I could quit now in competition. I'm going to be pretty happy. I just still like to go. It's still in me. It's still fun to be there in the in the shop getting my stuff ready, prepping. How did you get into training actors for movies? Like, Because I know you've you- – 
you used to train a lot of you trained directors back in the day, right? But um, how did it all start? I mean, it started back with like James Cameron, probably. Oh wow, it was like the first big one. That was in '97 uh, when he came out. So it was like Titanic was in theaters. Wait, don't you have like a crazy <sighs> Titanic story with James? <laughs> Are you allowed to tell that story? I've told it before. It's going to be rehashed. It's it's stupid. <laughs> Long story short, like uh, the only celebrity I ever trained before that was maybe uh, not Norm, but it was the other guy from Cheers, um, Ratzenberger. Okay, came out with the '38. <laughs> wow, <laughs> shoot that. And then uh, Dan Aykroyd at some police range in Burbank. Because they were like, we're all lined up shooting, and he saw me shoot. He's like, holy shit, this guy's good. Can you show me? And I started showing him because the other guys were like, bum, 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 like bum. that was kind of fun, Dan Aykroyd. So then, long That's story short. So, my friend John Richling is this raging bodybuilder guy from like the Arnold era, big blonde guy, 6'4, whatever. He's like, hey, um, I want to bring James Cameron to shoot. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's never going to, like, my favorite director ever, favorite movies of all time. <laughs> not going to happen. So, it's months and months of saying it's going to happen. I've had a million people promise that nothing ever delivers, right? So that day is coming, and he's like, he's coming Thursday. I'm like, oh, it's really happening. Oh, my God. So I go up on the mountain, and I put a million water bottles on the hill. I didn't have, like, my range like I have now. It's just a mountain of nothingness, stupidness, right? So um, uh, I, uh, I lay out, like, everything I own. I have all these cool guns, like HK-91, AUGs, ARs, big table of super fun stuff, you know, like from Miami Vice. And he pulls up on a couple Hummers, and he's got uh, William Abernathy with him. He's the guy in Titanic that uh, has the shirt on, the smiley face, the bearded guy, like, when the Titanic sinks, it's going to break and pull the second half down. Yeah, wasn't that guy an actual scientist? He's actually a a, a writer, helper of the film. Oh, okay. He lived, like, in his his guest house in Malibu, whatever, Okay. So he brings him out, some other bodybuilder guy, um, and then some other some other friends or whatever, security guys, whatever. So they come out and um, and the, all the guys are like in awe of the all the crazy raging, you know, uh, exotics, right? Weapons, and so like, oh my god, Cameron doesn't care. He walks up, he's like, I hear you're some kind of a raging grandmaster shooter. At the time, I was just a pistol grandmaster, not a three gun maniac yet. That was going to happen later that year. I go, yeah, I'm pretty good. He's like, well, uh, I got this. He pulls out like a Combat Commander 45 he got from Terminator 2 from some <laughs> Israeli guy that did the training on the movie, right? <laughs> so he's got this, uh, wi- uh, you know, uh, total weaver stance, all just, you know, all sideways and elbow down, cup and saucer. And I start trying to fix his grip and all this stuff. And I'm, and I'm trying to fix it all. And he goes, stop! And I'm like, holy shit, James Cameron's yelling at me. <laughs> he's like, before I change all this, because the guy's so freaking smart, it's insane. He goes... I got to see if you can even shoot. Why would, he, why would he change everything and learn from somebody else without seeing, right? So I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, the pressure of, like, trying to win a Nationals or something going on right now. So all these targets lined up, right? And I have this weird, like, Limcat holster. Like, the gun is, like, suspended in midair. It looks super cool, right? So I have this forty caliber 2011. So I draw and just go, shred this stuff, holster it like in a Western. His guys are like, holy shit. They're like, go crazy. He's like, did you guys see that shit? Did you look at all the alpha things? They're like that close together. All right, fix my grip. Show me what's going on. What's going on? It was amazing, right? And I was super broke back then, right? Trying to do the salient nonsense a few years later. Yeah. And so, so um, uh, actually, it was quite a bit later. So he lays down 10 grand. He goes, I want to come every Thursday tell him as good as you. I'm like, holy crap. That money's going to help pay the mortgage and all this stuff. So we're sitting there. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, you'll be good. You'll never be as good as me. <laughs> You'll be good. <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay. I'll never be a director like you either. So anyway, so long story short, we're sitting there. This is the funny part about the story, which is really crazy. His attorney is with him, this guy named Jim Schmidt. And I'm going to ask, I'm asking a lot of movie questions, right? I'm, I'm like, it's the biggest movie in the world. Aren't you making like tons of money? He's like, no, I ain't making shit. Fucked. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you don't even know what happened. I go, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, okay, so uh, I'm making this movie. It's making it's number one as of right now, today, in theaters. And I'll, I'll, my net worth is like six or seven mil. You know, great, whatever. And it was, but that's not big, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not and, fuck you and, money. And, and, and I'm like, what happened? He goes, well, there were like 20th Century Fox is yelling at me like during the whole making the movie. Like, why do you want to repaint the deck again? Who cares if it's if it's brown or it's all off tan? It's costing millions. This movie's going to bomb. He's like, I don't give a shit. It's got to be correct. And the lamps and the lights and all this stuff with the woman. Who cares? It's close enough. They already made this freaking bomb with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Peter Gallagher. It's a freaking 
could bomb on NBC. Who gives a fuck? He's like, fuck you. I'll finish my movie, you motherfuckers. My way, I'll pay my own fucking money. Fuck you. <laughs> like, he's sorry to tell me the story. It's so funny. And, he, and as he's telling the story, his attorney and him are sitting there. He's like, okay, forget my back end money. I'll finish the movie. Out of here, right? And finish it my way, which he did, right? Mm-hmm. Did it all his way, the right way, right? So didn't listen to those idiots and all this stuff about the, the flop with you know Peter Gallagher. So, so uh, he realizes during the conversation that nothing was signed. <laughs> so as he's telling the story, they both sit there as they start talking like, we didn't sign nothing with 20th Century Fox. Wait, as he's telling you this story, yeah. they have like, oh, wait. Yeah. So, for, so then they, he comes back like for the following Thursday, and from then on, next thing you know, getting his security team squared away, training all his guys, training him for years, and the money's just pouring in. You get $400 million, da-da-da, and just – and it was so fun because we're out there. He's like, we're going to do Spider-Man. We're thinking of Tom Cruise, but he might be a little old, but or Tobey Maguire. It's going to be me or Michael Bay is going to direct it. It was like fun stories, you know, Yeah. Uh, while we're on the range, you know, uh, all those years. And then I got into Three Gun because he trained so much. He got so good that – and I got into Three Gun because of him, but because I got into Three Gun that let me add way more avenues of training to him mm. than just being this maniac with a pistol. He can only go so far. Now it's like, okay, what else – can I do? I'm going to quit coming. I don't want him to not come. He's so fun to have James Cameron out there. He's amazing. Yeah. And he's so cool because like he called me during the Matrix. Matrix came out. And uh, because we had a daycare there back in the day. It's one day. It was super funny. So he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. So we had uh, a little daycare there for a couple of years. And these two uh, Indian kids are like these movie grandmasters, right? And they're like, we want to meet James Cameron. He's amazing, right? So I didn't know, like, he's like, how do you use the bathroom? And we didn't have anything set up back then. It was terrible, right? So he comes up, goes in the house. It's like a half-assed daycare going on. <laughs> and these two kids are there. And I'm like, here he is. You want to meet James Cameron? They're like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, Jim, these kids are, like, beyond 10 times smarter than me. They're incredible. They're, like, they're, they're scientists. He's like, they're like, blah, blah, James Cameron, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so Terminator 2 is on TV, the director's cut, right? So At the daycare. Yeah. So we're sitting in the daycare, <laughs> sitting in the daycare couch, this couch with like, you know, food on it and junk. It's a mess. <laughs> and there's like, we were watching The Little Mermaid earlier. And so we're watching Terminator 2. It's a scene with Sigourney with the cigarette, the director's cut. He's like, yeah, when I did this scene, I made sure the cigarette smoke was going a certain way and da da da. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting in a master class with James Cameron, two daycare kids, <laughs> you know? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Wow, and how how long did uh, how long did he? Because I mean, I've never been up there when he's been there. Oh, how long was he? Uh, it was probably like about ten years. Wow, okay, like almost every Thursday. Wow. Um, then his team would come out, and then when he got, then I helped with Avatar one, and then he got so wrapped up in the movie. Yeah. Uh, then he ended up moved to New Zealand a couple of years ago. So it was it was like then it become periodic. Yeah. Uh, so it was like it's been since ninety seven. So it's like you know twenty three, four years now. So do you get a lot of people kind of hitting you up as like a, Hey, can you call me when so-and-so is coming over? Do you, do you find, did you find that? Oh yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I did that a little too much back in the day. I don't, I don't do it as much anymore, but I've had some really fun mashups. Like one of them is pretty cool. JJ Perry, uh, is, uh, the, like one of the men behind the John Wick franchise. He, he would help with all the fighting. He came in on John Wick 1, really helped Chad and David Leach and everybody. He's been they, they, All three together were master fighters back in the 80s. They were doing movies like, um, you know, uh, uh, what's, that, what's that video game? Uh, where you go, oh, I killed you. Rah! Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So like <laughs> them and, uh, and um, uh, Daniel Barnhart, all those guys. Like there's a picture of Chad, J.J. Perry, and Daniel Barnhart all shredded with their long hair doing like these blood sport movies, all those 80s action movies and all that stuff. These guys were like amazing fighters that became stuntmen. And then, of course, Chad was a stuntman for Keanu on The Matrix and all, yeah. that, all that stuff. And so they, so J.J. came in to help um, on John Wick, John Wick 1 and 2. And then he started growing into a bigger director, into a bigger like stunt coordinator, getting more demands, doing all this stuff. So I was able – because he, he brought me on John Wick. So I owe him. Like he was – he was um, – uh, his daughter was being trained uh, – how was it? He was training a friend of mine who's a shooter, uh, his daughter, to do martial arts. 
And JJ saw this guy shoot. He's a grandmaster shooter, but he's not a three gunner. And he's never won anything like I've won. And this guy recommended because JJ's like, "Will you train Keanu?" And the guy goes, "Look, I'm good, but you got to go to someone who's really like the next level with the range and everything." And this guy was one one of my biggest enemies at one time in my life. That's a whole other story, but. It's crazy how life is. A guy wanted to destroy my life, and now he's like recommending Keanu to come to me. So he changed wow. my life. So that's a whole other podcast. But so JJ came out, and JJ brought Keanu. Everybody, we hit it off immediately. It was so so surreal because to watch someone on movies forever, then to meet them, and it's like you're in the movie with them. It's just a weird. And I was actually on the movie Speed as an extra, driving a stupid Honda Accord. Really? Behind the stupid, uh, uh, the Toon Man car when they hit the water and it flies up. Mm -hmm. So I spent a day in, in uh, the worst part of like Compton. And then my car was out of gas at the end of it. And I, had to, I was driving and I like ran out of gas, the most dangerous, it's a long story. So, <laughs> so I told Keanu that story. Like I, I, uh, I was on speed, he's like, no way. I made a funny video out of it too. He's like, I can't believe it. So anyway, long story short, so JJ changed my life. Brought me the John Wick franchise. When every actor saw Keanu shoot like a maniac, that three-gun course. Yeah. First, they thought it was a stuntman. They're trying to say it's not him. But then a longer director's, my director's cut on my iPhone 4. I put out shows it's him because he turns around and you see the same video and it's longer. And then we put a bunch more out. Uh, every actor came out. Like, you name it, they came out. They wanted it. Because for their, for, like, a lot of actors are pretty good fighters. You don't want to fight Jason Statham or... Kung Lee or other act, whatever uh, actors out there, some of them probably beat your ass, like probably like Chris Hemsworth. But with the gun stuff, no, they look they look bad. Yeah, they, they usually look pretty dopey, and so they knew like to up their game, they have to got to do what this guy is now doing. It was a bar set in Hollywood mm. that uh, everybody came out to my place. So JJ, um, I always want to pay things forward whenever I can make a connection happen. My story's too long to get to this point, but uh, I was working on Fate of the Furious with F. Gary Gray. F. Gary Gray was coming out doing stuff. And I just wanted J.J. and F. Gary Gray to meet. F. Gary Gray did Straight out of Compton. He's a great director. did all the Friday movies. He's hilarious. He was hired to do Fast and the Furious Part 8. And we did custom guns for the movie, all this fun stuff. Yeah. So um, uh, J.J. was going to come out for some reason. I'm like, J.J., get out here right now. And, and F. Gary Gray was like, hey, bitch, I'm coming out. I got to pick up something. I'm like, hold on. Give me like 45 minutes. I live in Moore Park. I'm five minutes away. I'm coming out. No, just give me 45 minutes. Just, just slow down. I just want them to meet, right? So they come down, they meet at the perfect timing. JJ pulls out his laptop and starts playing the catacomb shootouts of John Wick 2 of uh, Jackson Spidell, who's a stuntman for Keanu, for the like the walkthrough rehearsal scenes. And F. Gray Gray's like, oh my God, this is next level. This is amazing, you know? And so he ended up hiring JJ uh, for that part. And JJ's like, I'm like, aren't you happy? Like, you're the second unit director. They, they replaced the guy they've had for like four years on four movies. He's like, I know, but I've biggest thing I ever worked on was like an $80 million John Wick 2. This is $136 million. No, 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 three, no, $380 million budget. I'm like, like JJ, the thing about you, you always step up. You always, so next thing I know, like five months later, he flies me and my friend Jessica Medina to Atlanta, hires us to stunt people. I'm no stunt man, but I'm getting paid as a stunt man. I'm standing by some blown up car, ain't doing nothing, right? But getting paid good money as a stunt man. And it's watching him commanding everybody, like The Rock and, and Statham and the big prison scene, all this, ooh, 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 and just, he just commands people and they have the best time with him. And he always comes under budget. So after that, that led to, of Vin loving him so much, Vin Diesel hiring him for Bloodshot, mm -hmm. which led to uh, him working on Fast 9, which led to him directing his first movie ever with Jamie Foxx called uh, um, Day Shift. Dude, so all that led forward to that. You're doing more in Hollywood than most agents. But I never get producer credits. <laughs> <laughs> I just get like, yeah, you're a stupid shooter guy. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so. How, uh, wait, here's the question I've never asked. Who's better, me or Keanu? Huh? <laughs> you have to come out for a duel. I know, right? Yeah. It was funny when that when you when that video first kind of hit the web and obviously went crazy and everyone was like, "Oh my god, Keanu is a fucking machine." I had all these people like sending me the video being like, "Oh, have you seen Keanu shooting?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's where I go." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "He's he's yeah. late." <laughs> yeah. I left out a dumb story earlier. Um when uh, The Matrix came out, uh, uh, J um, James Cameron called me because he likes to talk movies with me. And it's surreal because his voice sounds like another friend of mine. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the phone talking movies for like an hour, 
to James Cameron, like about we talked about another one. It was uh, Mickey Rourke's uh, Sin City, mm-hmm. and 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 then I'm talking to him, and he's like, I didn't want to like say I love the Matrix at first, right? Because it's so close to Terminator. You know, machines take over. Sure, yeah. One movie's all blue, one movie's all green. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was pretty good. He's like, dude, it's fucking awesome. You like it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is good. It's great. <laughs> so it was kind of cool to like just. He's like, it's really good. Keanu yeah. is fantastic, and. The Wachowski brothers. This movie is like I haven't seen anything that good in a long time. I was like, wow, he could he could appreciate other people's work and not be like, oh well, I don't. I'm just still the best I'd ever walk the earth and every movie, you know. So yeah, uh, that's what's really cool about the guy, you know. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And so how? So have you got people coming up literally every day at this point training? Um, it can be if I let it be. I yeah. have to like I try to try to group sometimes if I, if I know two actors are going to hit it off. Uh, I have them together and it ends up being like an incredible fun day. You know, cool. I had uh, I had John Bernthal and Aaron Taylor Johnson out. I think you've shot with Aaron a couple of times. Uh, I've never shot with Aaron. I actually told Aaron, because Aaron and I go back some years, I told him about your place like... So Probably. you brought him out. I never brought him out, but you I told him, him. No, I never brought him out. Brought but him I, out. I've never actually brought anyone. <laughs> you suggested it. I, well, I told him. I was like, oh, you should go up there and, and shoot. Um, this was years and years ago, though. Yeah. He's been coming out forever. He came out for his first movie, I think, was The Wall. Mm-hmm. He had super short hair. So I had him come out with John Bernthal, and Aaron was getting ready for uh, Bullet Train. And he had, I'm sorry, curly hair and like a little beard and mustache. And John Bernthal had curly beard and a mustache. So we did this video together <laughs> with them, them and Olivia Munn together. And it's like one of our biggest videos. They're just, they're just funny together. Their personalities yeah. are just. They're sassy, they're hilarious, and they're just and they're great shooters, all three of them. And it was a pretty fun time. So little mashups like that, they end up, you know, becoming friends and stuff like that. I had about a month ago two Punishers out there. Yeah, what John? I had John and Thomas Jane. That's pretty cool. They didn't know they were coming, so it was just like so I'm filming the moment when they meet and they get in this long talk about The Walking Dead and uh, Frank Darabont, because if you watch a movie called The Mist with Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. Everybody in that movie is in The Walking Dead. Really? Like everybody. Wow. Like there's like five or six people that are in that movie that he took from that movie and put them in The Walking Dead. Then you hear in my dumb video, I didn't post it, of Thomas Jane talking about how he was going to be in The Walking Dead and ended up getting uh, doing the show Hung and it ended up being John Bernthal. Oh. So he inadvertently kind of passed the torch to a Punisher inadvertently anyways. That's interesting. Weird stuff, huh? A lot of a lot of weird stuff happens yeah. up at the ranch. I know. <laughs> what about alien stuff? We haven't talked about. We, we got to talk aliens. We got to talk or a ghosts ghost or a monster. Um. Well, but well, I've got a good segue into that. <laughs> What's uh, uh? Well, firstly, how did you get into being such a movie buff? Because out of anyone I've ever met, you know more about movie trivia than anyone I've ever like. You just you're like an encyclopedia of all things film. I bet Tarantino would smoke me, but <laughs> I don't know, man. You could probably give him a run for his money at least. <laughs> I just found out he loves the Dirty Harry franchise. Have you ever mm-hmm. there's a I'm sure you have like a ton of Dirty Harry photography or whatever, but yeah. there's uh there's an art there's a gallery in Studio City and the woman who runs it, she it's a it's a framing shop and a photo gallery. Uh-huh. And her father was a photographer on all the Hollywood sets for years, and he bought up crazy collections of these other set photographers. She has the craziest like uh, old Dirty Harry set photography photos, oh, I see it. and it's and it's very reasonably priced. And you just go through a computer and you're like, oh, I want I want this picture and that. And she just prints it up, frames it for you. It's, oh, wow. It's awesome. You yeah, should definitely- me later. Yeah, I will. It's, I, I've got a ton of yeah. stuff on my walls from, from that gallery. Yeah. It's, I would love to meet, meet Clint Eastwood somehow. Right. Yeah. Has his son not been up to you? His son came out. Yeah. For, uh, he came out for uh, uh, Suicide Squad. Okay. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel he, like he looks a lot like his father. Well, yeah. I love the one time I brought my dad up there. You want you were out of town. I know, as a match I couldn't miss. <laughs> I, and I was so bummed. Like, we'll I, we'll I, get him up there again. He's yeah. he's mentioned it. My dad really loves uh he loves shooting long range stuff now. Yeah, you know, I just made a whole new two long range range uh areas. Nice. Yesterday. So yeah, because I... one right through the middle where we shoot all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I dug a hole through the berm. Oh, cool. I shoot right there and then the right side I just opened it all back up again. Cool. It was just weeded in nightmare. So yeah. Yeah. You got a, you got a lot of ground to uh, to deweed up there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what you how how did you get into being a movie buff? Was it just something you always enjoyed? 
Um, yeah, my dad would tell movie stories. Like he told me about the TV show The Night Stalker with Jeremy McGavin. Mm-hmm. And he would tell the best stories. And I'd watch the show. I'm like, oh, the story's not that good. <laughs> the movie's not, this show's not as good as a story, you know? And he would tell such great stories all the time. And then, and then, you know, we'd watch good movies. The one movie I was bummed, I was not bummed, but kind of, it, they screwed me up. They made me watch The Exorcist. And I was like <laughs> seven or six or five or six or something. They took me in the theater to see Exorcist and twice. And I ran out both times. Like it was, and it haunted me for years and years. Like the first scene that haunted me was when her throat gets big in the bed. It's yeah. like, a, like, a, like, like that. Ran out of the theater. I'm in the hallway. It's in, it's in Canoga Park, whatever theater. I'm like, what? then they took me back again to see it, and the scene where the dresser comes up at her, mm-hmm. and her head turns around backwards, rah, rah, with the you know crucifix. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't. What, what are the? And I was, and I'd see her in the window. How old night. were you? Well, it was when it came out. So, so was it seventy six or seventy eight? Was that? It was nineteen seventy, like three oh, or four. Yeah. I was probably. Seven or eight. Oh wow, six or seven. That's or not eight. that's not a traumatic film <laughs> to show for a seven or eight year old. So, but to this day, it's still I think the greatest horror movie ever made. Oh yeah, it's always voted number one for sure. And you know, like William Peter Blatty or or, or the director, um, uh, he, you know, he was so he, you know he broke her back on that movie, right? No. You know the part where she's in the bed going. Rah, 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 oh yeah, rah. when she had that, the, she, uh, she had a body brace yeah. on, right? Yeah. They, she's like, "You're killing me. Can you can you turn it down a little bit? Can you not hurt me as much?" He's like, "Turn that bitch the fuck all the way up," and they broke her back. Oh, and because doesn't she like let out some kind of scream, and yeah. that's actually they when broke she... Linda Blair's Linda Linda Blair's back on that part. Wow. Yeah. And then also, um, uh, uh, he had a three seven Magnum. And he would just fire it off on the show to get people just scared, like during scenes. And that gun is loud. He's yeah. Nine millimeters loud. Try a revolver, like boom, he'd shoot it off on the set, and it would just freak. But I mean, hey, he got he got the results, you know, for, for whatever. <laughs> I'd like means. to see that. I'd like to see that fly today. You know, no, <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah. So, are you uh, on that note? Are you into the paranormal at all, Taryn? I've never really asked you. Um, I mean, I. I like the the aliens. I I believe there are aliens mm. for sure. I don't know why we're not they're not coming around to hang out or whatever yet <laughs> or whatever to finally <laughs> why we're we so awesome. Why shouldn't know, they come <laughs> to land on the on the you know the freaking White House and all that stuff yet? Um, uh, my family had a ghost story. My mom and dad. Um, we had a lot of money. We lost everything. Now I have money again. But when we had a lot of money or money, uh, my mom and dad. Uh, bought the Bing Crosby house in Glendale. It's beautiful, amazing house. I was a little kid. This is like the early 70s. And my mom told me two major ghost stories in that house because um, the family before us all died and Bing Crosby and his whole family have killed themselves. I didn't know that. Yeah, like his son shot himself in the head with a 12-gauge shotgun, blew his head off a double barrel shotgun. Another son killed himself. Another person dead. It's crazy. Look up Bing Crosby. It's just nuts, right? Yeah. So this house, one day my mom is laying on the pool on the on the on the diving board, just laying there and opens her eyes. This woman's face is just floating over her head. Holy shit. Another one is this Afghan dog and this woman uh, are just walking through the kitchen into like the, you know, the out outside like glass there and everybody's just watching this this happen like numerous people saw that happen yeah yeah my mom and dad and someone else there so i've heard those stories my whole lifetime i never got to have any of those 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 experiences i was just a stupid kid running around with like a you know a stretch armstrong or something <laughs> but, <laughs> but they told me those stories for years that's probably the closest paranormal lunacy that i've had yeah you know so i, I haven't been in the right spot <laughs> so. Yeah, have you ever seen anything weird out at your place? Because you're kind of you're far out enough from the city to where you can actually see see the stars, and you got a, you got some night sky up there. I've just seen uh, shooting stars. Um, we have a giant white owl, you know, that's gigantic that's out there. You know, that's tried to kill some cats here and there, but hasn't gotten them. Thank God, I put them in the house, and. Um, and just like maybe a weird person might show up they don't like. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some weird weird folks out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you believe in like UFOs and aliens and. I had uh, I had one guy like um, on the street walk up to me once. It wasn't too far from here, 
and t- and turn around and look in my face and tell me like a whole bunch of stuff about my life. Really? Like a weirdo and then walk away from me. It was it was like 20 years ago. It was just a that story's too weird to tell. That was like I was like in shock. It was before social media and everything. He just turned Said all this crazy stuff, went in from my face like a demon guy, and then walked away. Maybe it was just a cuckoo man. I don't know. So, but uh, it's pretty weird that a cuckoo guy knew so <laughs> yeah. much about you. But um, uh, I haven't, I haven't seen any cool alien stuff or anything. You mm. know, I want to. With with all your your shooting, I'm sure you've had some pretty interesting people with interesting jobs in the government come by. Yeah. I mean, have 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 you ever kind of met some folks where you're like, yeah, that's not. They they're not that's they're not in the same population as as regular folk. I've had a lot of people tell me a lot of behind the scenes stories on stuff, mm-hmm. but you know it's like after a class I'm training some different. I have so many different groups of people that come out. And I just kind of just everything becomes a blur. But I've had people tell me, you know, some wild stuff. But I just don't you know I'm I'm pretty sure it's true. Mm-hmm. But I don't even remember who they were half the time. They're gone, and I'm like, all right. Yeah, and, go and how do you verify any of it yeah. ultimately? But I mean, I'm sure the stuff's probably true. You yeah. Know? So, like, what's the out of all your research? What's the most um, compelling? realistic thing is anything with roswell like you've been closer to figuring that or area 51 um you know i i've had the alien stuff to me it to me i just go well yeah it's clearly fucking real look how big the the universe is i mean they the the largest photo ever taken was a james webb telescope which was just last week and it this photo is i think 21 terabytes and it's of like something like close to like a trillion stars taken in this photo. Wow. And so you're like, wait a second. So every one of those stars is a sun, which means there's at least, you know, what, five to nine planets floating around. So there's trillions of fucking planets out there. Like just if if, if we're one in a billion, great. That means there's, you know, however many yeah. you know planets out there that have life. Well, I just got back from Mexico City. Uh, we went on a, a, a to the Fast Ten premiere mm-hmm. with Michelle Rodriguez. It was super fun, super packed, super great. Then we went to you know just go see the pyramids out there. Yeah. When you're actually there, it's like there's no way this wasn't done without some kind of technology. It's and those ones aren't even as crazy as the ones in Egypt yeah. like they're they're amazing but like you can't do it today how are you gonna do it today yeah the, the detail the the the, the, the the way they're connected all the stuff they went to all the museums and see all the stuff that's like you can't like this is not possible it's had to be something and they even have like these scrolls of like so many alien looking things and 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 messages going on it ha- and you watch ancient aliens a pretty good show too that's a great show and you can't deny what these people are showing, like how these all these all these pyramids all line up in the world with a beam that is down to one milligram of like it's just yeah there has to be you know something that had happened in a different light before a bomb or it's not a bomb but like a, a meteor wrecked everybody and started all over again you know yeah I mean I don't know I'm not an expert in any of that stuff no so. but I I think it's I, the it what we've been told in the history books at school I think is is very wrong like it's it, they're off and it, for some reason. They don't seem to want to change the narrative, you know, and that that to me is always a glaring when when there's enough evidence to prove that the story you're telling isn't accurate, but yet you're refusing to change the story. Well, that's a problem, you know, I don't know. I think I think there is definitely something to be said about aliens, you know, and I've but like with the ghost stuff, you know, I've had experiences which I can't I can't quite I can't figure out. On you the know, shows you've done, what what was the most uh, what was the most crazy one that happened? Man, I you know I've had I've experienced where I've you know I've been in a place where I've been like, hey, if something's here, open the door, and the door is fucking flung open, and it's not like we have a uh, you know special effects crew working yeah. on our shows that are rigging it with some yeah. pulley system or yeah. microfilament or whatever. Um, Do you believe that certain spears are just stuck in limbo? See, I think it's a few things. I think there's a few things that go on with go- with hauntings. Um, you know, I kind of have like a, a list of four or five. You know, the uh-huh. the first is the the kind of the most obvious, which is oh, it's a uh, this it's the spirit or energy of a once living human. Uh, the second is it's some kind of interdimensional energy that has an ability to kind of 
bounce between our reality and whatever its reality is. Um, the third is, you know, are we encountering some kind of undetectable energy spectrum which causes hallucinations? You know, like uh, people that live under power lines will get headaches and feel nauseous or whatever. But if you talk to someone at the power company, they're like, oh, no, that's not real. That yeah, can't yeah, happen. But, yeah. it, but it happens. Um, the fourth is, uh, is it, you know, a lot of uh, haunted houses or old shitty rundown buildings. Are we inhaling some kind of toxic mold, which is giving you hallucinations, which makes you think you're seeing a ghost? Mm. So, you know, I have a bucket, uh, you know, of things that I kind of kind of float between you know i have definitely had some kind of intelligent encounter with something you mm. know i don't know what it is yeah. but it's you know i've had conversations using devices and you know they turn them on and off uh, yes or no yeah um so i don't i mean there's definitely something there's what some about like the ouija board doing its thing i've had two experiences with a ouija board where i was like categorically that was that was fucking legit um but uh, other than that, I, but I haven't had a huge amount of success with Ouija boards. I've never, I've never seen like a full-on ghost, like what you're talking about. Your family saw like a woman walking with a dog and yeah. seeing a. I've never, never had anything as clear as that. I've seen shadows, um, but I just there's something to it, you know. I don't. I think our understanding of all the spectrums of energy is very limited. So between aliens, ghosts, which one do you think is 100% for sure? I. Th I th both? I think both in both. different buckets. You know, I think aliens certainly do exist in our reality. Well, we've seen so many videos, you know, that one flying along the military plane. Yeah. Like just going a billion miles an hour. You yeah. Know, like I saw I saw one today which someone posted in the – it obviously could be fake, but it, they were filming out of a window of an airplane and you see this fucking thing just go whizzing past. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And like what is that? You yeah. know, and I've seen so many of those videos and I'm, I'm friends with Jeremy Corbell – um, and he, uh, he's, you know, even before that little orb one that shot past the military camera recently, um, I was sending him some of the stuff and he was like, he couldn't, he's very professional about when he'll disclose stuff. And well, the government knows everything. just won't tell us nothing. Right. Oh yeah. At this point. Uh, but I think, I think it's beyond government. I think it's like private industries controlling it. I think so like area 51, you can't get near there. No, nobody can get in there. Uh, well, I, I know, uh, I, I know some people that have worked out there, but on the military side of things, like testing weapons and shit. Um, but, like, they're supposed to have a ship in there with a dead alien, right? Supposedly. Yeah. Just ask um, Will, Will Smith. Smith. <laughs> Will, he, he went there. He drove there in an RV with a bunch of other dudes in RVs. I know. I know. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, I just, you know, there's there's something to it. Does, does Will Smith believe in aliens? I mean, he's he's fought them. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> what about Bigfoot? What do you think of that? Bigfoot's a, a tough one because they never have any evidence, right? My, my biggest hiccup with Bigfoot, right, is like hunters will film stuff, right? But you think about how many hunters there are in America and how many trail cams are in America. And you've never seen a Bigfoot on like a trail camera, like, you know, game a game camera. Um, but yet I know I've interviewed people that have seen Bigfoot and they're not making shit up. I, be I fully believe them. And if they were to make stuff up about seeing Bigfoot... Why? Why would you risk sounding like a fucking lunatic? Like, well, there's no gain to that. Remember the original video where he's walking yeah. and he had boobs and everything. Yeah, they like proved it was real. Then another whole show proved it wasn't mm -hmm. real. That a, a whole crew that made a low budget movie down the street were behind it. Yeah. Then another one proved again it was real. Like, it drives me nuts. Like, totally. Which one is it? You know. My one thing with that. That video is so good though. It is. It's so good. And but my one thing with that, if you're gonna fake Bigfoot and you're a bunch of guys. Why are you going to give Bigfoot big old hairy titties? Like Just that's because not because that makes it so. Yeah. Do you think that that's what like? Because for me, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to bother with that. I'm just going to have him be a big dude and yeah. cruising around. Like I why? Know. Why give Bigfoot titties? But nothing since then has been any good. The videos I've seen some really dopey ones with just a black gorilla suit running in the, yeah. in the forest with an iPhone purposely shaking. <laughs> I've seen. I saw one, and it was a. It was something like stood upright and it was like looking around a tree you know it could have been a bear but it looked the profile wasn't as like thick as a bear what about Loch Ness Monster that's done right yeah I think that's a hard that one that whole thing was a some kind of a boat rudder or something it was a boat it was something to a boat and then someone said it was a duck or a some swan or something fucking thing yeah. yeah so that one got wrecked yeah so we're down to three we're down to, we're down to three <laughs> two and a half two and a half my, my one my <laughs> one favorite thing about Bigfoot though and I've kind of been batting this around 
what if a Bigfoot is an alien walking around Earth in like their version of a spacesuit? Like <laughs> they they look at Earth and they go, look how many hairy animals are here. So we need to blend in. We need to make ourselves look like a hairy animal. Yeah. And so they have this fucking spacesuit that looks like. Do you a... think there's different groups of aliens? Oh hell yeah! Like there's little ones, bigger ones. They're all kind of the same, right? Yeah, like I think more the worlds. I think there's I think there's a bunch of different types. Why not? Oh, do you yeah. ever do you like reading books? Do you uh, ever are you a big yeah. reader? Not or, a big reader. Uh, Audio books? Do you do you yeah, fuck with those? Yeah. Okay, get um get this book called Project Hail Mary. Okay. It is the best fucking sci-fi book. You said an F word. I, I have, yes. Strike him. Strike, yeah. There we go. Demonetize me. <laughs> um, best book ever. And it's super sci-fi-y. It's like Earth is dying and they have to go on this mission to save it. And they go across the universe with this- This new... for, is a movie possibly? They are apparently, I said Ryan Gosling bought, is like involved in trying to make it oh, into a wow. movie. Yeah. If it'll be one of those cases though, if they make it into a movie, yeah. there's no way they can cram it all into one yeah, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's the guy that wrote um, The Martian. Oh, okay, uh, well that's gonna yeah that's gonna happen. Yeah, I'll have to get that. Yeah, it's a good great audio book. It's the the yeah. same guy that reads the audio book as the guy that reads all the Jack Carr books. Do you ever do you, oh, have you yeah. ever have you ever listened to any of the Jack Carr books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Jack Carr shoots at my place. Oh yeah, right on. I built the gun for Chris Pratt's last well the the Terminal List. Oh cool. Got a little gun. Just another what what action <laughs> movie haven't you worked on, Taryn? Um, as of late. Uh. I did Ghosted. Um, what did I not do? There's some I'm glad I didn't do. Uh, <laughs> one I just watched recently. Uh, there's a bunch. I don't know. So you got an interesting life, Taryn Butler. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> From shooting steel to to training some of the biggest names in town. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been lucky. Yeah, I, I, it's, but it's not luck, dude. You're fucking. You're good at what you do. You know what works. You know what doesn't. You know, and you're a good instructor. That's the other thing. You are a very good instructor. You know, you're Thanks. not forceful. You don't bark at people. Like, I, I've always found that the way that you teach is, it's very suggestive. It's like, hey, just try this. Or what about that? Or that, you know, and it's, I think that that's, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of, you know, training classes, this, that, and the other. And, and it's a, it's a comforting approach because, you know, shootings can be nerve wracking for people and scary and and you make it, you make it easy for people. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've gotten a little more meaner with my classes. Well, you know, probably. Not meaner, but a little more like on it. Well, you know, so. I'm sure there is plenty of dumbasses that have come out. <laughs> There's been a lot. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Taryn, thanks for coming by. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for letting me come out. Yeah, we, you know, we covered the gambit. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. All right, you got to come back to the range. I will, absolutely. I need to get some guns worked on, so. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, Jack. All right, thank you. All right, that's fun. Um, and folks at home, you can, or if you're listening, wherever, uh, make sure you click like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If uh, you're listening to this, well, you can find it wherever you find podcasts. And Taryn Butler, where can people find you? Uh, Taryn Tactical Innovations. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, every kind of platform, uh, YouTube, all that stuff. So Taryn at Taryn Tactical. Awesome. All right.